0: It's Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Bruno. I'm joined, as always, by Jeff Hawkins. We're here to talk NXT UK, NXT US, and, of course, 205 Live. But first, Jeff, the cleanup section, where do you want to pick up this week?
1: Chris, are you wearing a tuxedo and a monocle and a top hat and a cane? Because we are about to talk about a sophisticated product.
0: Oh, I thought Mr. Peanut was going to make his big debut at the next (laughs) pay-per-view.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, Vince McMahon today called, uh, called his product, a sophisticated product. So, uh, I, I am now dressed to the nines. Uh, I, oh my, I should talk in a British accent or something, or something, something very, uh, uh, aristocratic talking about the WWE. You no, know, what
0: we need to do <laughs> is we need to adopt that weird accent that was something that actors did in the middle of the 20th century, the transcontinental accent. This is how actors used to talk in the 1940s and (laughs) 1950s, and the way that I expect my WWE product to be announced. Here comes Seth Rollins. He's coming down to the ring. This is a rogue, a garish (laughs) young man striving once again to get the title back from that dastardly Brock Lesnar managed by the scurrilous Paul Heyman. This is the way the show should be called, and I won't call Cole to call the show this way. Otherwise, it's not the sophisticated product that I have come to know on the WWE main roster.
1: (laughs) So so everybody has to be James Mason all of a sudden.
0: I want Corey Graves to do (laughs) the entire show like that. The heel announcer should be (laughs) done entirely in transcontinental accent
1: or or like the city wolf from Tex Avery cartoons well cousin we're gonna have to take you back to the city uh, we'll go into that in a second um WWE fired a couple of writers and a couple of uh higher up writers uh this week uh letting go of Smackdown co-lead Steve Grary, who had been with the company since 2012 and Steve Oppenheim who was the in-office lead for Raw since 2011 I have not heard any details on this, nor do I want to go into why they were fired. If I was going to do reckless speculation, it's just they've been there a while. And this is what Vince does to get new blood in. But from our perspective here on Shake Them Ropes, this is bad news because what has now happened is they have now restructured their writing teams. And the writing team for 205 Live has now changed again. After having all these great weeks of product, and I am disappointed, Chris, I really am, because we have friends in the company and we had been talking a bit about 205 Live and what a great, you know, great few weeks has it had been. And they had had plans and things of that nature. And now it's kind of like
0: they had a groove. Going. They had
1: a groove, but, you know, they had a it felt like they had ideas. And now it's like, OK, New guy in. And when you when you fire a showrunner or a guy that's really high up, even though you have the same writing voices around sometimes, it can be a bit chaotic because you're looking for a show voice, so to speak. So I'm a little saddened by this. I I you know, I don't blame either the Steves either for ratings being down, of course. I always blame Vince McMahon because He's the main guy. No, no, that but has to the do with injuries, live news
0: I, as I understand. You see, <laughs> a lot of key talent has been missing from the roster, which has brought down the ratings 20%. In
1: other news, Jimmy Uso arrested for a DUI this morning, two days after they made fun of the Usos getting DUIs on Raw. How tone deaf do you have to be? Number one. No,
0: no, this is a case of art imitating life, my friend.
1: I'm I'm not gonna. I this is.
0: I know it's. Not I, I understand. Funny. This is a recurring problem for the Usos. No, I just
1: I found it an issue to bring it up on air because, well, drunk driving is one of those things that I have a personal connection to as well. So this may just be prisoner of the moment stuff for me. But, you know, if you're in a rap battle with John Cena and and you're just kind of jokingly mocking about being arrested for driving drunk and then you go out and do it again in this day and age when you have Uber and Lyft at your disposal and you have
0: uh, the financial, the financial resources to be able to to afford Uber and Lyft. Yes, yes.
1: I mean, be, I mean, like it, I, I said in Hollywood, like when I was a heavy, heavy drinker, and I am not proud of the fact that I had probably, I wasn't drunk when I got behind the wheel, but I may have not have been sober enough at times because in Hollywood, it was impossible to, to get a cab in like 2001, 2002, 2003, way back then. Now I can just hit a button on my phone and a car will come pick me up as opposed to me having to find a phone number for a cab company and hope they'll bother to come down to Hollywood because it is impossible to get a cab in LA. I'm just, it's, it's infuriating. I am to the point where I would have fired them, but I know they won't because, because AEW, they're too valuable and yes, you should be responsible for your actions and blah, 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 blah. It shouldn't be a company issue, but, You know, there's rumors that he's going to be taking some time off either before SummerSlam or after, right after, to handle a substance abuse problem. I don't know if it's a substance abuse problem or if it's just, you know, you go out, you drive, hey, I'm going to go out tonight, I'm at the bar, but I happen to drive instead of get a ride there, so, you know, you don't you don't control yourself while you're being sociable and then you don't know really how much you've had i i don't know if it's a abuse problem versus a personal responsibility problem but it's still when you, when it happens more than once it means you haven't really you haven't really owned up to the issue at hand
0: i want to go back to the 205 and smackdown change of writing teams because
1: okay you have no you have no comment on that or is it just no well I gave my initial comment but
0: there's something else that I wanted to build off of that which is that I think that it's been very interesting to watch WWE play a lot of panic cards in rapid succession over the last six or seven months here you've had them do the Domino's style episode, you know, like when Domino said our pizza sucks, like they did that back in December of last year. And since then, we've had the McMahons reintroduced his management figures, only now it's Shane. We've brought in Paul Heyman, we've brought in Eric Bischoff. We're changing up the writing teams. We've done the end of the brand split with the wild card. And now we have the 24-7 title. Like, they're trying a lot of different things. And while they're doing this, the ratings keep going down. And now, again, I understand that it's all because of injuries. But it's <laughs> interesting to look at all of these things in aggregate. And it doesn't look like a super healthy company right now.
1: The company's healthy it's it's just the product that they're giving out isn't it's not growing it's it's shrinking certainly not
0: it's not healthy in the united states because it is shrinking
1: i you know what i'm i think
0: i think you're right to make that distinction though i think globally they're doing just fine but their financials are fine
1: their financials i mean it's not they're they're not booming that's that's what people kind of go oh Well, you know, in this market and this and that and the other and being, you know, how much of a market share they have, they should be a growing company. And they they appear to be shrinking, but it's only shrinking moderately. And, you know, they they have some barometers that are bad, but it's a stable company financially. It's just it's it. I'll I'll give you the it's another Domino's comparison. Domino's pizza to me isn't very good, but they sell. Enough of it to stay in business and to be a big part of the market share for pizza. Well, that's because Pizza Hut still exists. Well, OK, but but my point is it it can be bland and not exciting and still sure, sure. be financially. Speaking of which, the, because we've been alluding to it in both these segments, the Q2 report came out. Um, The network's about to go to a tier system. It is unknown what those tiers will be. But I figured this is always a move when they go. This is as much as we can grow. Now we have to make money off of the people we have. So that's what's probably going to happen here.
0: So where do we think the network sub number is actually right now?
1: Oh, they, they they gave it out, but I think it's it, it's like about one and three quarters million. Okay. Oh, it's a, it's under two. Yeah but i think i think now is going to be the time where they go okay let's see what we have here are these just casuals or are these like the the kind of paying wrestling fans who travel to wrestlemania and want everything so i think you're going to get you know you're going to get a tier with with just you know maybe the pay-per-views and then you'll get a tier with NXT and the other shows and stuff like that and the vault and then maybe you'll get an extra tier for like house shows and evolves and Progress and stuff like that, but they haven't announced anything, so we don't know. The other thing was Vince took a uh, Vince McMahon took a shot at AEW Um, when he said kind of he says our product's doing just fine. You know, we've hired Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman because I can't be out there in the weeds all the time. But this is an exact quote: "We're not going to do blood and guts, such as being done on perhaps a, a new potential competitor." We're not going back to that gory crap we graduated from. It's a more sophisticated product. Now, before you go in on this, let me offer not a defense per se of what he said, because there's a lot of people who are going around going, well, it is sophisticated because if you look at the production and you look at this and you look at that and that already happened okay, Vince considered his product sophisticated from the word go because it wasn't in high school gyms and small dingy arenas. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, the brawling, you know, big beefy brawlers. It was bright, colorful characters. And it was a show you could bring your entire family to, and nobody would ever be offended by it. That's his idea, sophisticated. So on that notion, kind of true. Now, if I were to compare storylines between AEW and WWE, WWE hasn't had a sophisticated storyline in a couple of decades. I think probably the last one might have been the higher power. I, I just, it's one of those things where you just go, you know, Vince has to pump his product to the investor types that they are more sophisticated, but there's always... There's always an undercurrent of BS in there. Chris, you are now free to respond.
0: So, I was trying to think of the most sophisticated WWE slash WWF storyline. And I think it's probably when the Hart Foundation were heels and feuding with DX. When they and were baby had,
1: faces in Canada and heels in America, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think there was a lot of interesting things going on there. And Bret Hart's character yes. was really sophisticated. I um, would say that, he, yeah. Yeah. And even kind of what they were doing with Owen Hart at various points was sophisticated. And then it's a very short list after that. I mean, it's easier to just crack a bunch of jokes, so I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, was trying to actually give a thoughtful answer as to the most sophisticated thing, and I think it's telling that I have to go back 23 years to if, get to something that's like actually deep.
1: If if your idea is sophisticated is accessible, in which all ages can enjoy, theoretically, your product. That's not what product.
0: people mean when they say sophisticated. No, though.
1: I know that, but to him it is. To him, that's it, a different word, though. Yes, but but you know he doesn't use words as to what they mean. He uses words to what he thinks they should mean, and it's it's you know it's it's the company doublespeak, where you know the Drake Maverick r truth. You know, I'm sorry, your marriage is constipated. Oh, the adults will get it because it's a it's adult humor and the kids will love the funniness of the short guy being clowned by our truth. Ooh, look, it's sophisticated. We can bring everybody to this stuff. That's what he means by it. Now, I I look, I agree with you on on all that, but I just it's it's Yeah, I'm uh okay. You just have to take it for what it is. It's Baghdad Bob saying, that, "Oh no, we're pounding them." Okay, sure, sure thing, Vince. Um, the the ratings were up this week, Chris. Um, Raw reunion and SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown, perhaps because of the teased Daniel Bryan announcement that again was not coming to fruition. But that might not be the writer's fault because Vince McMahon came in at 4 p.m. Eastern and said he hated the show and then rewrote it. Raw Reunion is going to get so a much pop.
0: confidence.
1: Raw Reunion is going to get a pop because of nostalgia. And look, I, I've i said it numerous times. WWE nostalgia, I absolutely loathe because it's, it's the same complaint as my Hardy Boys complaint it's not giving these legends respect or honoring them. It's, Hey, you get a chance to dress up in your old costume. Like it's a comic con and come out and say one of your catchphrases or something. It's like Ted DiBiase. who's a legend in wrestling has to come out and do the stupid million dollar man gimmick. Still, you know, Ron Simmons comes out and says, they're not being honored as actual performers. It's more like, the high Everyone school, says the, their
0: catchphrase. It's
1: the high school reunion where nobody ever left their hometown. You know, Everybody's still the same. Everybody's in this time capsule of the WWE universe where they never actually left the WWE universe. So Ted DiBiase left raw and was off of TV, but he was always the million dollar man in bad tuxedos with dollar signs on them. You know, IRS was always IRS when he left and stuff. You know, the Hardy Boys will all, the Hardy Boys will be 60 and they'll have to wear cut off shirts and needed yeah, Benita, Jeff will have to Benita, paint up Benita. his face. Yeah, it's 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 bow that bow. it's that ridiculous kind of nostalgia where you go. God, these guys need a check so bad that they're going to come to this Comic-Con and be a... It's the child actor who has to dress up as the character still when he's 56. You know, like Steve Urkel when he's 70 will be at like the Dallas pop culture convention going, Did I do that? It's that kind of stuff.
0: It was almost all worth it for me, Jeff, for a while when Alundra Blaze had that title because I thought oh, good, we're throwing it away. We're going to be throwing it away, and that's how this ends. And I was like, it's a stupid but fitting ending for this title, and yet, like a cockroach, it continues to squirm on.
1: Oh, no, that's just its the moment they won't let her live down they'll never let her live down that she did that on TV and got such controversy over it. Oh, that, that that I, and I like Medusa a lot as a performer and she's willing to do just about anything, but you just kind of go, God, they're going to, they're going to spike that football again. Aren't they now in terms of actual story progression, there wasn't a lot going on, but there was one thing that just made me throw my TV remote across the room which is what I do when I get really frustrated with something. Chris, you'll recall on SmackDown, one of the storylines was Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville picking on uh, Ember Moon, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were bullying her backstage. They were, you know, they threw down her Game Boy or whatever the hell it was. They, right. you know, they broke her right. video game and said, you don't have any friends. Who are you going to get to fight us? And she picks... SmackDown women's champion, Bailey. And then after they, they beat that tag team, then Ember Moon gets a shot at a, gets a title shot after, after having a match. And then this week to build it up, Chris Ember Moon and Charlotte, which I thought they might do. (laughs) I thought they might do what I said on the Patreon episode, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. I thought they might put Charlotte in here, but it looks like they're going to put Charlotte against Trish Stratus. They do all that. And guess what Ember Moon does to Bailey for all her help? Gives her Turns an eclipse. Heel on her. Gives yeah. her an Oh, no. No, does not turn heel, Chris. Oh. She, she sees an opportunity, and oh, she takes advantage of sure, it. Because sure. Because women can't be friends with one another. It's always about being self-serving and being an alpha in whatever business you're in. So... So because Bailey came down and helped her with this tag team match and eventually was happy to face her in for a title match, now Ember Moon has to just lose all sense of, <laughs> of, of niceness and goodwill that we put behind her, and she just beats up her friend. And I just went, you got to be kidding me on this. Can't two competitors just be competitive?
0: The answer is no. The answer is no they cannot, not on the main roster. That would be that would be simple. That would be simple, and instead what you're getting here, Jeff, is something sophisticated because this is Ember Moon showing you sophistication. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, enough of the main roster gibber jabber. Let us get to the network shows. I am making the call. We'll do two Oh five live NXT UK and then NXT mainly because I want to say this with the news that the writing team has now been uh, reshuffled for two Oh five live. This was the best episode of two Oh five live that there's ever been in my estimation that I've watched. I loved everything about this show, Chris. I loved the two matches were great in terms of both work and, and characterization, I adored this show, and I wanted more of it. And I, that's why I was so disappointed by this news.
0: So I've watched damn near every episode of 205 Live, and I've even had my hands on a few of them. And this was a really, really, really good episode of 205 Live. I don't know that it's the best episode of 205 Live, but in terms of just wrestling, right, the opening tag match was really exciting. Love Umberto Carrillo and Raul Mendoza paired together. And then the main event between Drew Gulag and Swerve Scott, I thought, well, and we're going to break these down in greater depth, completely over-delivered. So let's start with the tag match here. Um, Umberto Carrillo and Raul Mendoza took on the Lucha House Party, which was represented by Kalisto and Gran Metalik. And this match was a lot of fun because Mendoza starts off with Kalisto and we get a move-for-move sort of thing going on here. And that continues for a while. And then the Lucha House Party, I guess you could say, sticking in the parlance, sees the opportunity off of a handshake and proceed to do what I would typify as classic kill tactics and start cornering Raul Mendoza and Umberto Carrillo. I forget who they isolate. I think it's Mendoza. And this eventually builds to, um, oh God, who ends up getting the pin on this, Jeff? I it, oh, it's Carrillo. Carrillo it's gets the
1: pin, but Mendoza got such a nice rub. Being introduced, they gave him a video package, which was
0: yep. awesome. That was great. Great. Yeah, yeah. And th- and that showcased him doing a whole bunch of competitive-looking moves. And-, and it reminded me of some of the nice little showcase matches he's had along the way in NXT uh, you you don't want to say nice losses but they really were booked that way and you see him getting really good looking offense and you see why you want to see more of him and also the fact that he's tagged with Umberto Carrillo which I think was the most important touch and, and was just wonderfully edited together
1: that and I'm gonna give some love to Lucha House Party here
0: Oh, this they're is, really good. They're Duh. really,
1: no, they are really good. But this is the first time I've ever been intrigued by their working style in a match that I've seen. Because usually it's that baby face, Lucha, and I'm not the biggest fan of Lucha style because I think so much has bled into regular wrestling in terms of dance versus fight mentality yes,
0: it can be a little too much acrobatics but, and not enough lucha
1: yes well i mean but i mean i view lucha as a little bit too much ac- like you're doing 20 flips while a guy's standing there waiting to be taken down and it's just no, no, okay. by lucha,
0: i mean like the fight like not enough
1: fighting. yeah yeah they were vicious in their lucha moves here as opposed to just kind of you know doing the the choreography and stuff like that like there there were a couple of moves like like the uh the driving Rana, that that was nice. You know, this was one of Metalik's better performances, I thought. You know, I liked sometimes... the more
0: aggressive Kalisto yes. too. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Being aggressive really worked for them in this match. Now, I would have possibly, because I think the audience was confused on who they should be rooting for in this match, because you didn't get a lot of response until they really took it home, but they did win over the crowd. But at the same time, I think for the story of the match, you need to establish who we, who we want to win in this match. Um, just, just as a little teaser in the beginning, or, you know, I I mean, I think they were assuming that they'd get involved with both teams, but Mendoza and Korea are not established enough. And the Lucha house party has been on the main roster, so that main roster crowd knows to do lucha lucha, you know, th- all that stuff. So it was a and little And they've
0: bit... also been presented as such a they just like to have fun. Yes. style of babyface. So there so was a it's... lot working
1: against also, yes. you know, Corio and and Mendoza here in addition and to And I the thought lucha the cheap House
0: shot party. handshake spot yes. was a good way of doing a strong signal to the audience that yes. the Lucha House Party are if not working heels, not the people you should be cheering for in this match.
1: Correct. And, and, but I loved the the, I loved this match. I loved everything about it. I, I, I just, I watched with, I go, I I took a moment about halfway through this match. I go, I'm really digging the Lucha house party. What the heck happened to me here? (laughs) Cause it's not that they're bad wrestlers. It's just, I've always found them dull. And, uh, playing to the children, more or less, as opposed to being serious competitors. But this edge made them serious competitors. It was so great. It was so awesome. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it.
0: Oni Lorkin had a quick little squash match against Tony Eisner. I liked this for what it was in the sense of. We have seen... Oni Lorkin go through a bunch of iterations here on 205 Live. I'm familiar with him on NXT. I've watched Oni Lorkin wrestle in this company. However, on 205 Live, he's had personality shifts. I'm not sure what to be looking for in an Oni Lorkin match. What is his finishing move? I was pretty sure he was using the half and half, but he's done other things along the way here. This match with Tony Eisner shows us what his style is, what his setup move is, what his finishing move is. I thought it was perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, no, I, I and I liked uh, I liked Eisner getting a little bit of offense in the beginning there. I, I liked that
0: sh- as well, yeah.
1: That's a, uh, okay, it, it's Tony Eisner. It fit Ice- into hold on. I was Tony looking for the Eisner. Name. No, but I was looking for his, what, what he goes by on the indies. And ah. he's uh, Tony Ice, who works for the WXW promotion owned by uh, Afa. But no, I, I thought perfectly acceptable squash match. Uh, you know, enhancement talent gets the drop on the guy, then gets beaten down, defeated. In the
0: style of the guy. Yep. In the
1: style of the guy. No, perfect. I loved it.
0: And then we get our main event, which was Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Drew Gulak. And boy, did this match over deliver. So we've had our quibbles with the way that NXT is doing their debuting stars, rising stars. I forget the name of the tournament right now. But Swerve certainly overcame the loss in that tournament nicely in this match. And I just love the story of this match.
1: The The hand. The hand story.
0: He makes a big sacrifice play, a Pyrrhic victory, where he hits Drew Gulak really good with a powerful punch that rocks Drew Gulak and takes a measurable toll from Drew Gulak. However, Swerve ends up getting the less good end of the deal and the hand continues to bother him throughout the match. And while Drew Gulak is rocked from getting you know, hit in the jaw real hard, hard enough to hurt swerve's hand swerve's hand is really hurt and i just i thought this was great i thought this was really well put together
1: not only did they get him over in one night in front of a main roster crowd
0: this was a sophisticated story
1: everybody it was a sophisticated story but people bought into the the thought that he might win this match and that was amazing because main roster crowds are cynical as hell because they're, because there are people like a lot of them are people like me who think they know it all. Um, I think two Oh five live would be fools not to follow up on this to see if they have something with them in, in terms of getting over with the two of, with the jaded tired. We just sat through two hours worth of SmackDown and one hour of main event, uh, audience. I, I, I think, I think you put him right back on TV next week and he gets a win over a sing brother or over an enhancement talent and you and you build him back up and see if you have something where if you want to put it on a baby face after Drew Gulak maybe swerves the guy.
0: What yeah. do you think about that? Okay. I think that's interesting. I don't want to take the belt off of Drew Gulak anytime time. I don't soon. either, I look at but this, I want to contender. I look at this in a different way. So I look at this as a real testament to what Drew Gulak as your sustaining heel champion can do, which is tell these sophisticated long-form matches. If, if you want to actually do sophisticated styles of matches, this is it. This is what WWE can present that's sophisticated. And, and what got me to bite on it was not that Swerve was going to win, but that we were telling a story that was, I mean, it had an ending, but it was fresh. It's it's like a good magic trick or a good joke. It's not that you're taking a new subject entirely, right? You know, airplane, not airplane food, but, you know, relationships, loss of loved ones, becoming a parent. The the trick in writing a good joke is how you go about packaging the joke. It's not about finding some brand new theme. Same thing with writing a song, right? You're still writing about the same classic themes. It's how you go about packaging it, and Drew Gulak is able to do that in his match. And and I think him as the hero champion will be able to do that in a way that like Tony Nese wasn't able to. And while I like Swerve, you can't do the same thing that you can do with Drew Gulak that you can with Swerve.
1: No, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, going on your overuse of the word sophisticated to, to troll me. Uh, or not just to troll me, but just to make the joke.
0: I'm sorry. I should have been saying it in my transcontinental <laughs> accent. Sophisticated.
1: But, but a sophisticated move would be to have Swerve stay the hell away from Gulag and just start beating everybody else on the roster while Gulag's doing all these stories and then coming back to it. Now, let me ask you this, because it was a thought that crossed my mind. After he wins, in the Evolve match uh, that was on the network, where Gulak faced Matt Riddle, and uh, Riddle won, there was a lot of mutual respect type stuff. Mostly for the Philly crowd, mostly for the Evolve history type stuff. What about Drew Gulak as a heel, but a guy who... He's a heel, but he, he has a certain boundary of respect versus mustache twirling. And if he had really kind of picked.
0: So like Dean Malenko. Well,
1: uh, yes. Uh, and, and, and playing into the fact that or the story that, that they put on TV that Gulak had helped train swerve, where he picks up his former student, kind of pats him on the back, pats his belt to say, yeah, I still won. But. You earned something today and then leaving as opposed to the, you know, holding up the belt to uh, above his fallen opponent type thing. What would you think of that as a move, so to speak?
0: I just like a little bit more mustache twirling than you. I think I was totally fine with this. I, I I I want him to do something similar to Humberto Carrillo at some point when they wrestle. I want him to maybe go after his knee. Maybe go after his wrist or something. I I mean, I think that Drew Gulak should find a way to win with superior strategy, and, and it should be a long while before we see anyone really getting close to touching Drew Gulak. However, people should be made to look good like swerve here i think swerve what he did was really help show the right template for these baby faces going up against drew gulag in order to get maximum shine
1: well the reason i posited that is because Gulak is stuck straight in the middle in my opinion of between guy who always twirls the mustache and say ole anderson technician who gets great sadistic joy in beating on a guy and hurting a guy. And there's something to be said about the technical Dean Malenko type who, you know, this is my job. I'm going to be the best guy in that ring, but you can still get a little bit of my respect if you fight back, but I still am kind of cocksure and know what I'm doing. But no, I I get there. I think that's
0: where we're going more with this version of Drew Gulak. It's a little bit, but they like,
1: they like, they like the mustache twirling because it get, it gets over that. Ooh, this guy is evil! But every villain does that. There's no shades of villainy, which is always kind of my issue with WWE product.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I, but I also kind of miss the PowerPoint a little bit sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want him to go back to it, but I I did like PowerPoint guy. I think PowerPoint guy had a place. Oh no, PowerPoint
1: world. guy amused me, and it made it opened my eyes to the fact that Drew Gulak had charisma. Because when I watched him on the indies, when I watched him in in Evolve, when I watched him at PWG, I was just like, okay, he's technically sound. He's pretty good. In PWG, he'd always be wrestling. Timothy Thatcher, seemed, who I was also, you know, dull, grapple-effing type of stuff. Catchpoint was the typical, we're technical wrestlers and this, but he wasn't really... He wasn't a charismatic leader to me, per se. The PowerPoint thing made me go, oh, my God, this guy has comedic timing and he has a certain amount of charm to him. And that's what was missing to me. in catchpoint, Drew Gulak, was the charm aspect of it. But, uh, no, I-, I loved PowerPoint. Drew.
0: So, shall we move on to NXT UK? Please. All right. This begins with Dar defeating Kenny Williams after he hits a low blow on Kenny Williams. This was an okay match, and I like Kenny Williams, and I'm warming up to Kenny Williams more here as the weeks go on, but I feel like I've seen this gnome Dar finish one time too many.
1: Yes, I-, I have too. I've never, it's one of those things where it, it, it's the uh, credibility problem where the heel always cheats in every match and never really wins with a clean the
0: shoe based spot. I, I keep going back to the Austin powers line of who takes another man's shoe or whatever he says about a random task. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was silly and I, I'm very tired of it. Anything else you have to say about that?
1: I just, it's weird how, how young Noam Dar is, and how just kind of done I am with his act. It's I, I want to like him, but it, he's already like turned heel like twenty times, and, and he's only he been is on the a big like mustache twirler.
0: You want to oh, talk yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, I I know that he can do technical wrestling, and that's kind of his shtick. But he has turned into. All right, I'm going to do a few moves. Here's an okay little kind of cruiserweighty style move. Here's another cruiserweighty style move, and then I'm going to get a banana peel heel style win.
1: No, and- I, I yeah, yeah yeah, and that's and that's the other thing is all heels get the banana peel style wins after distraction and you're kind of like okay
0: then we had the grizzle young veterans zach gibson is pumping up james drake and i was thinking during this promo that the dynamic between these two needs to just be zach gibson is slowly turning james drake into like a ravenous madman just constantly making him bigger and more swole and like more completely out of control and he's a little bit low fish but he does all the talking for them
1: yeah no i i want the uh if you remember the uh, the old Destruction Crew, Wayne Bloom and and, uh, and Mike Enos, where where they they bring them out for a promo on the AWA, and you go, "Well, here now from the Destruction Crew," and then Mike Enos would start to talk, and Wayne Bloom would always interrupt and go, "I got this one, Mike," and would just do the entire promo and not let him talk at all. That's what I want, and that's what I think I got here. I, I, I Zach Gibson is amazing on the microphone. And James Drake is perfect as just there. And I'm fine with this. I'm fine with this as a dynamic.
0: Yeah. And I like the idea of building him up as the workhorse because it gives him a character. In yeah. this in these two because Zach Gibson is always going to be the personality here. So he he does need to fill in some other space and there's a nice little lane to do so.
1: It, it's the I'm the guy people come to see and you're my friend. And it's like, wait, what do you mean I'm your friend? I you know, and then you can turn him babyface when he eventually snaps.
0: Yes, right. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It gives him an edge to build off of too. Jazzy Gabbard, Ginny and Kaylee Ray defeat Piper Niven. Tony Storm and Zia Brookside when Ginny pins Brookside. So this kind of continues Ginny getting wins over Brookside. And, of course, Jazzy Gabbard helping to get those wins.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I thought the dynamic of all this was good. Kaylee Ray cowardly tags out when Tony Storm comes in. And Ginny's more than willing to go after Tony Storm because they have a history. Jazzy gets the wins for Ginny by beating up Zia Brookside, who's the young... Fresh baby face in this thing and uh, eventually sets up for a win for Ziya Brookside against Ginny. Clean, probably at TakeOver. And Piper Niven gets to uh, show her strength against Jazzy Gabbert while not overpowering her. And uh, doesn't take the loss. I I thought this was a perfectly fine. We're going to combine two or three angles into a main event, quote unquote, style match. Right,
0: right. Absolutely.
1: They used to do this in the NWA all the time. It's like, okay, Tully and Arn and Buddy Landell You'll team against the people you're fighting right now.
0: This is yeah. a very WCW, like, yeah. stuff that we do on the Patreon thing, too. I, this is just a classic no, exactly. Saturday you're Night right. Main Event-style match. Yeah, it,
1: It's how can we freshen up this angle without having them go one-on-one? Well, we'll just combine a couple of angles and have them go in a multi-person tag match. It's, it's perfect. It's great. New it's
0: Japan good. still does this. This is time-tested. Yes. This is just good wrestling. It's a it's good smart. Nice... It's yeah, exactly. Smart. It's very smart. And then we get into this non-title match with Walter defeating Trent Seven after Walter just obliterates Trent Seven and no one comes to save Trent Seven. It makes sense. And, And I like the fact that this was timed with Pete Dunne's appearance on NXT. Yes. So, like, that synchronous nature made this much more believable as... Imperium is standing and guarding Walter, just dismantling Trent Seven. Trent's such a great baby face. He is so good at just... He's he's the heart and soul of this, but I will say one thing. This show is, what, 52 episodes in? I'm kind of over the who-built-this-brand angle for a show where you can remember when it first started under a year ago.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do like... Um... I like the continuity of always going back to Trent's bad knee. Yes. But I but I also at the same time kind of want to go Haven't we dealt on that enough? And if he has a bad knee, how come he hasn't gotten it fully I,
0: Yeah, and I feel like his knee has gotten better at times too. You know well, what he, I mean? You used to wear a brace, be- Right. And now he and doesn't. Now he doesn't and hasn't for a while.
1: But I but I like that kind of continuity, but it's but it becomes a story in like every match now. And, and at some point you'd think, all right, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to tag with you until your knee gets better. You know, you you'd think, you know, logically in storyline, someone would bring that up as, look, you're killing us out there with your knee. Go get it healed before we have another match. But no, I did like to coincide with Pete Dunne. It's a perfect monster heel beat down of a, of a, of, of the guy in the babyface stable. Who's never going to get the big win, which is good. For sympathy, but still has, but still has that great crowd appeal and sympathy type of thing, because like there's yeah, the and you want for- him
0: to be the heart and soul of yes. the brand. It, yes. Oddly, even though this is about who quote unquote built the brand, the person who you want to feel like the heart and soul of the brand really should be Trent Seven. You'll um, get um, the ba- and, and you'll- Tyler Bate when Tyler Bate comes back.
1: Yes, you'll get the big pop when either Pete Dunn or Tyler Bate beat Walter because Trent Seven. Kept the rest of Imperium from interfering or whatever. You know that first that first shot Trent Seven gives whoever, you know, at the critical moment is going to get a monster pop from the crowd. So yeah, no, I was fi- I was fine with this. I I I thought the camera work was a little weird.
0: It was with
1: with showing the ramp all the time as if you're trying. I mean, I understand what they're tipping thought their hands. I
0: Travis Banks was going to come yeah. out or something. Yeah, and and that was kind of a bit. Weird.
1: Yeah, it's weird that locker rooms no longer uh protect each other like they used to, but uh especially no, I,
0: for I, someone like Trent Seven mm-hmm. when like the end game is you want him to feel like the face of the brand. What should have happened is your Ashton Smiths and some of yes. your lower baby face tier the guy geeks. should have come out yes the, the geeks should have, geeks come, should have come, out come out and tried to stand up for Trent seven and been like up. this and yes. gotten beaten up mercilessly yes. by imperium
1: yes Italian stallion pez watley and those guys come down to try and help dusty and they can't yeah no I agree with you yeah
0: yeah no because Trent really does have the ability to be on on a smaller scale this brand's dusty and yeah I, I think that that was a little bit of the opportunity missed here
1: that's a hell that's a hell of a comparison right there
0: I, and kind of, I kind of agree. It works, and I right? kind of
1: agree. Yeah, he's blue he's the blue collar, not the best shape, still has a great rap type of thing. I don't think he has he has the charisma of Dusty but it's a different kind of charisma. But no, sure. I think that's a that's a that's a pretty damn good uh it's pretty damn good corollary. He doesn't have the political power I don't think, but uh but it's a good comparison in terms of on-screen characterization.
0: Yeah, and and I think if you lean into that and and, and if the writing and the brand sort of thinks about him more like that. You have this wonderful foil for for Walter at some point. And right. maybe he doesn't beat Walter in the main event of something and you're not trying to build to Trent getting the belt. Or maybe you are at some point. I mean, especially with Pete seemingly doing things on other parts in other brands of the company – it looks like British strong style as a trio in regular continuity is done for a bit, and it's going to be Trent and Tyler. And I, I like the idea maybe of building to Trent and Walter at some point. I don't yeah, hate Yeah, uh,
1: there, there, there is a def- – I mean, I think there's an injury question on on uh, Tyler Bate, but, there, but there's also an issue where British strong style are so over as babyfaces that it becomes harder and harder to beat them. So, yeah, you have to find reasons to get them off TV, and this is perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So then we move on to other NXT, NXT U.S., and what was the first thing that happened on NXT US? It was Jordan Miles versus Angel Garza. Okay, this is really fun. And they're starting to get the thing that we wanted with Angel Garza going, where the women love him and the men hate him. And that makes for such a fun heel dynamic. Yes.
1: Yes. I yeah, no, I I love this character and he is it's weird in the in the appearances before this, he was I mean, he was charismatic and you know, trying to get the crap. He is he knows how to chew the scenery when it's time, so to speak, in terms of in terms of turning on the heel charm. I'm not so certain I like the Nigel Beth um, dynamic. Beth is a problem person. because
0: she doesn't get over, and, and this is not just here, but I'm talking like more broadly on this show. She does not get over the babyface perspective well. And so there's this gulf where Nigel just sort of bolsters the heel position, and Beth is supposed to be doing the pushback, and she doesn't, and Morrow's just trying to call everything pretty down the middle, and the end result is that Nigel just steamrolls Beth.
1: Well, Essentially, on, in
0: so many words, I'm saying Beth is not very good.
1: Well, no, Beth's not very good. But uh, but in term uh, on these matches, especially, Nigel's trolling Beth as kind of a prudish married woman. And Beth has to play the, oh, my, type of thing when she sees somebody tear off pants as if you never saw that in an NBA game. But... Um, <laughs> But no, I I really like what they've done with the Angel Garza character, or that Angel am,
0: Garza isn't wearing wrestling tights like every other wrestler you've ever seen in your life. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, like yeah, like Edge never came out in in tights before or anything. I'm uh, what do you think of this ACH? Not ACH, Jordan Miles, how they're presenting him and things like that.
0: It's uh, not my thing. I I think he's a little hammy. I think he's a great yeah. wrestler, but I they the. There's an over-dependence on big gesticulation and mm-hmm. big facial features. He
1: sports entertaining it up.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and the, I don't, I'm done with that style of character.
1: I kind of like, I mean, even though we all know he was a big indie superstar for the most part, I kind of like the story of the unexpected pin and him being surprised by that. I kind of like that. I kind of do. I'm not. I'm not definitely going. Yes, this was great, but I kind of. It was different. They're making him into the young up and coming type of guy, even though they go, "Well, he's been in this business for 13 years or whatever." Um, but yeah, I I I, <laughs> I kind of derisively said to myself, "It's like watching Wayne Brady wrestle."
0: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And and here was my big problem. So after the match you have Shane Thorne come out, and he goes over to the announce booth and he's like, This tournament is a bunch of garbage and y'all should be talking about me. And I'm gonna make a mark. I'm gonna make an impact. And here comes Jordan Miles, one of the finalists in this tournament. Just fade away. Mm-hmm. Babyface Jordan Miles and here's this heel. Talking about making Stealing an impact.
1: Stealing any kind of shine he got. And, and it's- the right
0: answer here is Shane Thorne attacks Jordan Miles. Yes. And beats up Jordan Miles and really injures Jordan Miles, and that lets Cameron Grimes win the tournament next week. Like that—that That is that, that is like booking, at least sort of booking fundamentals, or my natural booking instincts, if you will. Or he
1: ruins the tournament by taking out Jordan Miles, and they decide not to... That's, because yeah, your, they they, they yeah. don't
0: have a finish to the tournament at all. Yeah. Right?
1: They they just have Cameron Grimes win it because by forfeit, and so Cameron gets over as a as a heel because he didn't really earn it, and then. But either way, Shane we're talking Thorne, about
0: delegitimizing the tournament because of what yes. Shane Thorne did, putting yeah. it into Grimes' yeah. hands, and and yeah, like that to me is just solid fundamental booking, and not doing that there, you see the cost of that, which is it made Shane Thorne look just utterly impotent. I'm going to make my mark. Okay, how? Well,
1: yeah, but if he does that, it also eliminates the entire point of the tournament was just to introduce all these people, whereas you could just disagree. introduce so, him.
0: He doesn't. So what ends okay. up happening in my version of this is Thorne attacks Miles. He injures Miles' ribs. He injures Miles' knee. He beats him up real good, but Miles is the heart of a champion. He wants to win this tournament. But Cameron Grimes, he's pretty damn good, and Cameron Grimes ends up beating and injured Jordan Miles, but we've now met every single person in this roster. We've now been introduced to everyone. Swerve Scott is already off to bigger and better things as well, so he's the success story out of this tournament. Everyone wins. And Shane Thorne doesn't look like a goober.
1: Chris, this is why I'm a bad fan, because when when Shane Thorne said, Yeah, we've been making moments here for three I've been making moments here for three years and jumping off scaffolds and I went, when has he had a moment and then I remembered, oh yeah, there was that one tag match where his, where I think he blew out his knee or his partner blew out his knee and then they weren't seen again. But that was a pretty good match. I was like, what moments did Shane Thorne ever have here? And it was like, oh, yeah, that one time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, pretty basic. But I kind of like Morrow's burning anger at somebody taking the headset off his, his head. If you watch his facials during that, he's pretty good during this whole time. Nice. seething.
0: I'll have to uh, catch that the next time someone tries to do that to him because he is fun with facials and that sort of thing. Yeah. Bianca Belair had a very long beatdown of Xia A statement match. Upset about losing to Mia Yim. Getting rebuilt on Xia I like that they've found what Xia is good at and are trying to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. But... The problem with Zia Lee is she's still just not meshing with people.
1: I thought this match did exactly what it had to do. It was a step I up agree with from, that. A, from a straight up squash. It's a little bit higher competition. Zia Lee, Li, a little flashy here, but Bianca Belair comes in from the get-go, beats the crap out of her. Zia Lee gets one hope spot where she just kicks the crap out of Bianca Belair and I agree with you, instead of doing a lot of fancy moves, all she did was kick Bianca. Yep. And it felt it felt rough, it felt hard, it felt like she was fighting for her life. And then Bianca Bell killers kills her. I thought that was fun.
0: Yeah, I yeah think- no, it, there's just timing stuff. Like, like, no, I I thought the actual structure of the match much much better and, and does a much better job working with what these two guys are good at.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah I, I I agreed with your assessment that uh, it, it hid some of Xia Li's, um downsides on
0: it. So I realized something when we were watching these next two vignettes, and apparently you and I both thought that. Mia Yim attacked, um, it wasn't, Mar- we thought it was, thought Marina
1: Shafir. It was, it Marina was Shafir Maria
0: Shafir. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had that wrong. So yeah. that makes more sense now in the light of this vignette here, where Jasmine Duke gets attacked. So we see that still not loving this Mia Yim character.
1: I get what they're doing. It's to me, it's pretty much signaling that Mia Yim's not going to have any chance against Shayna. Uh, when the match actually comes because she's beaten up all her help. Um, I liked this and I liked the kind of the addition of, and I don't know if she really laid into the, uh, locker room door shot on the arm to get an actual swear word out of, out of Jessamine. But I, I, I dug, I, I, I dig this. I just think, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's not what, it's a nice, it's a nice counterbalance to Candice LeRae in terms of the baby faces that are getting pushed right now. So I was, I'm fine with it overall.
0: Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it like that. The, the idea that you do need a contrast from almost sugar-sweet Candice LeRae. And yeah, she's Mia the Yim. edgy
1: baby face yeah, here. I, yeah,
0: I like that. Okay, okay. That, that actually kind of turns the corner on this Mia Yim character for me. Then we had Killian Dane. More about him attacking Matt Riddle. Man, I want to like Killian Dane. I'm trying to keep an open mind on this.
1: Um, he's talking up his fight where he's going to lose. So uh, you know, it, it's I'm watching it. I'm going. This is pretty good. He explained why he attacked Matt Riddle. I thought it was perfectly logical. Um, but yeah, he's getting built up so he can get beat. So, um, continue doing this type of stuff. I was fine with it.
0: Then we had the Velveteen Dream in the ring. I like the outfitting on the Velveteen Dream. They've really found what Velveteen Dream champion swagger looks like. And he starts cutting a promo, and he talks about, you know, who's going to come down and have a match with him. He wants a fresh opponent, not Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong comes down. He says, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I pinned you a couple of weeks ago in that tag match and that means I should be getting a title shot, which is kind of tenuous, which is why it was weird that Regal agreed with Roderick Strong sort of so clearly later on in the show. But Pete Dunne comes out and Pete Dunne snaps Roderick Strong's fingers and then stares down Velveteen Dream. So here is my problem, Jeff. I feel like Pete Dunne should have obliterated Roderick Strong. I feel like Pete Dunne should hate the hell out of Roderick Strong. And what needed to happen right here was Roderick Strong gets annihilated by Pete Dunne. And most importantly in that, Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era, for reasons unknown at this point, don't come and save him.
1: I agree with that assessment. I I hadn't really thought too hard about it, but yes, Roderick Strong should have gotten his... He should have just gotten killed by Pete Dunne because Dunne's still mad about the tag team title. Oh, match.
0: yeah. Serious comeuppance is still coming there. They should um, be tag team champions.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think just, and I think Roderick Strong should have been more scared when Pete Dunne's music hit. I think he should have cleared out of there. If you're going to have him still breathing.
0: That is another option. Then he I'm needs you to flee. That. Yes.
1: Um. I also agree. I like this is, this is a look I want Velveteen Dream to have because he looks good in wrestling gear as opposed to how did I put it that one time? Oh yeah. Uh, sketch comedy theater where he's like picking up different props to make outfits. Like he has a sailor's hat and a fake mustache and a pipe and you know, a roll of quarters around his neck or something. Yeah, no, I, I like, I like kind of serious wrestler Velveteen Dream as the champ. I dug this look. I like the big boots. I like the dark colors kind of uh, counterbalanced with the white. I, I I really liked this look on him a lot. I thought Roddy's promo was lacking for a Roddy Strong heel promo. It really was too... It wasn't condescending enough. It wasn't bratty Roddy Strong that we saw on, on, on the indies. It was... It was more whiny Roddy, which I don't necessarily like, because Roddy Strong has a lot of Miz slash Tully Blanchard slash natural unlikability in him in terms of how he can do a promo. And I didn't see a lot of that come out. And instead, it was just kind of a straight line type of promo, as opposed to really diminishing velveteen dream as a as as a champion and i i think they needed a little bit more of that from roddy and you know roddy can do that
0: this is the problem with dream a little bit is that he's such a big character that sometimes it's hard to cut yeah. him down a little bit yeah no and that too roddy is not necessarily the best equipped to do that either whereas someone like pete dunn he comes out and it's a much more natural oppositional pairing And I also think that this allows the Velveteen Dream to do what I think works best for him when he's up against a babyface, which is turn into the slight heel. Be a little bit slippery, if you will. And B. Duncan also matched that, and so they can both be a little bit dirty babyfaces. This is just a much more natural oppositional pairing than whiny-roddy. And the yeah. triple threat, I, I don't necessarily think is addition. I think that the the real money match here is done and Dream.
1: I agree. I agree. I think they. I think um, in that promo, Roddy showed demanded to get sent to NXT UK for a spell. It's like, okay, if he's gonna come over here and win my belt, I should I be able to go over there. That's what was going
0: to happen. I thought Regal was going to send Roddy over to NXT UK as sort of his way of screwing with the undisputed era
1: also but
0: that didn't happen we got, either we
1: gotta talk a little bit i miss the dichotomy of pete dunn being an absolute savage but kind of being dressed as a sophisticate who then goes into that yeah. as opposed to this wild caveman look that he's got going right now sure i, kind of sure. Miss, I miss short-haired pete dunn clean-shaven pete dunn who just becomes kind of a bully as opposed to whatever this thing he's doing right now is, he looks like a member of the Hunt.
0: Yeah, he actually kind of does. Or also the <laughs> Viking warriors.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh yeah. They're I, like I'm, lost
0: brother or like part of like a weird chart in between the Hunt and the Viking warriors. You get Pete Dunne. Yeah, yeah. the the ultimate super faction. And then we have Io Shirai versus Casey Katnazzaro. This was fairly short. More Io Shirai doing her Io Shirai thing. And then Candice LeRae comes out for the save.
1: Two two issues with this. Um, Io Shirai's... I, I want to eventually take away the kind of uh, initial sad heel in her entrance. I want her to kind of be more... Okay, I've gotten over the I don't need friends type of thing and now I'm mad. I think that's hurting her healness a bit. That kind of that 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 doe-eyed with tears in her eyes first look she's giving when she has her back to the audience.
0: The goodwill on this character is running thin already even with that crowd. Okay. I and think then so. I,
1: I thought I thought the uh I thought the justification of Candace it didn't work for me on commentary. I understood it. I didn't mind it per se, but I thought the way that they were going, and here comes Candace LeRae, and then Beth Phoenix having to come up with a contrived excuse for why this she's The hitting, problem
0: with Beth is she's not doing the lifting for the baby yeah. faces that needs to be done. This is what I was opening up the discussion. It's the like you can, say,
1: you can say, okay, it's understandable, but I think she's a bit out of hand here for a bit. She needs to control her emotions and really understand why this crowd is behind her. As opposed to this kind of I thing, I think the I, better I, way
0: of putting it is: Look, Io Shirai attacked her for no reason, and this is unfinished business. And sometimes you just have to. I think there's a way to defend Candice's actions, but you have to think it out better than the way they did.
1: Yeah, that, no, I, I agree there. And uh, Casey Catanzaro is someone I want to get uh, see killed from week to week. I don't know why. I think she's great. I think she's a wonderful athlete, but she's the perfect kind of babyface. Where I go, destroy her, please. <laughs> She's too perky. She's too perfect. You kind of just want to see heels smash her and see her do great flips when she takes a clothesline and stuff. I'm, 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 I'm hyped for Casey Catanzaro as, uh, as mid card, uh, doing some losses to to badass heels types.
0: Now let's talk hyped. I am hyped about Keith Lee and Damian Priest. I thought this match was awesome. I thought Keith Lee looked like a million dollars here. He was a complete star in this match. This was the best Damian Priest match to date. I think that he ended up looking really good here. We're establishing that he's solidly healed. I think the wrong person won, though, to be honest, Jeff. I think that Keith Lee should have won. But they did a really nice job building up to this match. They told two different stories. Damian Priest on a hot streak. He's coming in as this new fiery young kid. A little bit of a heel. A little bit dastardly. Keith Lee trying to find his way back. We had those video packages. NXT built up the intrigue around this match. And then the match itself delivered.
1: I don't know if he was corpsing or if he was meaning to do the smiling the whole time. But it made his character so much better for Punish, not Punishment, for uh, Priest. Priest. It made it so almost to the point where it was, I'm the baddest dude on the block, and here's this big guy, and he's giving me a fight, and I'm kind of digging it, whereas before I had these other guys who couldn't stand up to me.
0: Finally, someone could fight me. It I, I loved that.
1: Yeah, it was almost like they were gonna be like he was looking to make him a partner eventually. I am uh, I am under the impression yes, I don't think Keith Lee should have lost, but I don't think Damian Priest should have lost here too. I think they should have done a non
0: Finish. Okay. Okay.
1: Maybe. Here's the other thing. I think with the loss and with the way they told this story and Keith Lee getting angry every time after being kind of the lovable playing to the crowd babyface. I think he has to turn heel, and I'm hoping that this is how they introduce Stokely Hathaway. Because I think with that kind of loss, and with him showing the rage throughout that you know that's in him, I think he has to take it out on somebody. And maybe he takes it out on Matt Riddle, or maybe he takes it out on on another babyface when they tag team. Oh, if
0: he took it out on the Velveteen Dream. Maybe,
1: yeah. But I think... I, I thought they might be teasing a heel turn with Keith Lee there for a while. but I thought they might be
0: as well, but yeah, I, I was a little bit confused by this. And, and I, I don't love the fact that Priest had to take the low road to beat uh, Keith Lee unless no. we're going to Keith Lee turns heel because he realizes that the heels that taking the high road has made him a sucker off. and right. he was
1: being angry at the same time. Yeah, the combination of those two things would would do it. Keith Lee's high kick was friggin' amazing. I, I could yes. not. I, I That's when I was officially
0: of in this match.
1: Yeah. Um, no, it was a great big. It was, it was a great horse match. And we like horse matches here on Shake Them Ropes. Also, Greco um, Roman knuckle locks.
0: This is quickly becoming one of my favorite mid-match moves that I'd forgotten about. But I really like this spot.
1: Dude, I'm marked like hell when he caught Priest oh he catches on the him in, in a power
0: bomb! oh my god that was oh, amazing geez, Louise, that was awesome so that good.
1: was absolutely amazing i hate that he got out of it i think he should yes. they should have paid off the powerbomb spot for for that just absolute feat of strength but i absolutely love yeah no i, I really enjoyed this match a lot i was kind of thinking in the back of my head do either of these guys have a run on the main roster in them or are they going to be in NXT for two or three years, they're going to look at him and go, you're too old and cut him.
0: I don't know. Punishment Martinez slash Damian Priest is kind of youthful looking or almost yeah, kind of undertakery true. in a way.
1: Yeah, you give him that character like, like a lumbering kind of guy and he could do it for, you know, through his 40s if he wanted to.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I... I think there's something there, but man, yeah, I just love this match. I love this match. Mm-hmm. It was really, really entertaining. Anything and, uh, else you want to cover?
1: Yes, we got the uh, uh, we got the stipulations for the Johnny Gargano-Adam Cole matches. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, three falls. If it goes to a third fall, William Regal will pick the stipulation. Um, Interesting uh, steps. Johnny Gargano picks a street fight, which he had had a few of those with... Uh, Tommaso Ciampa. I believe they did False Count Anywhere versus Street Fights, but don't quote me on that. Adam Cole, being cocky heel, says, I'm just gonna do a straight one on one wrestling match with you.
0: Against Johnny so I, Wrestling. You so see. I
1: assume yeah, yes, and also the fact that uh that uh, Gargano had beaten him once in a straight wrestling match, and he is he is determined to always avenge that loss. I think what happens is he Cole wins beats, by like Cole a
0: disqualification the, or a no, count or something. The,
1: no, Cole wins the street fight, Gargano wins the wrestling match. They I, win I think so. On each other's st- specialties. Yes. And then and then Regal decides it's going to be hell in the cell or something like that. You know, something major ma- cuz that's the only major stipulation left for NXT really, isn't there? Hmm. As opposed to like a cage match.
0: Right, right. I'm trying to think. They're not going to do scaffold. Uh...
1: And they could really kill us and do, okay, two out of three falls.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The third step step is another two out of three falls, bringing it out to five falls, essentially. (laughs) Because the winner had a potential maximum of five falls. (laughs)
1: So this pay per view will now be six hours long. Just and they'll piss you wish off any you good wish will. for
0: more wishes. Is that yes. what's going on there?
1: It was weird, you know. Adam Adam Cole announced that as his stipulation. My stipulation is just a regular wrestling match, and you're kind of like, huh? That's kind of disappointing because you think he'd go like no DQ, so the rest of the undisputed era could fight or whatever. But at the same time, it's also genius because, yes, you call yourself Johnny Wrestling. I'm going to beat you in a wrestling match. So I I guess I'm good with it. I guess I'm good with it.
0: No, I like that. So because the whole Adam Cole video package thing was about getting into Johnny's life and getting into Johnny's head and sort of dismantling everything that was Johnny's. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I'm cool with that. I, I, I guess you could strike a happy medium here and have Regal come out and announce Kevin Owens as a special guest referee for the third fall.
1: Oh, no, no, no. They're not going to do anything like
0: that. I don't know. Um, but I think that covers everything that we have on those three shows. So with that. Get your plugs in, Chris. Okay. Don't Worry TV is where you can find Don't Worry About the Government. But you can also find it on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. That's at Chris Novembrino, And the All in the Family podcast is my other show, which you can find at allinthefamilypodcast.com and on iTunes and on Stitcher. Our other show, or actually not our other show, this show has a Patreon. You can hear Patreon episodes. Jeffs does some. I do some. Sometimes we do them together. It's amazing. You can find it at patreon.com slash Ropes. And
1: we you owe know, them a show this week, I think. I think we may need to do something. Something small. I think small. that's
0: something small. I'm into that. I'm into that. Maybe we. I'll, I'll, let me look. Let me look. I'll, I'll maybe maybe look that out.
1: episode of Mid Atlantic that I sent you. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm into that. I'm into that. How long is that? Like an hour?
1: An hour. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's do that. Is that like a can, like, watch along? we going to watch and then discuss it. Yeah, afterwards.
1: we do a watch along. That'll Let's be do fine. A watch. Yeah. Okay. See.
0: And we plan them out right here at the end of the show. So like you could go and listen to that on Patreon. Or you could just hear this tease, and that's lame, right? So Jeff's at Crap Game Thirteen. You can find him on Twitter, and the show is at Shake Them Ropes.
1: This has been a very sophisticated episode of Shake Them Ropes, don't you think, Chris?
0: Oh, Jeffrey Hawkins, I do declare this is one of the finest episodes of Shake Them Ropes we have ever done, and might ever do.
1: In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new, shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any
0: podcast platform to listen today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McKrispie Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.